react and set up mining stuff. So I work at the CRC here locally in town. I live a few blocks from here. Um, and it's a lot of different things. Okay? Um, different cautious related things. Um, I'm going to just start by mentioning something that's really not so much to do with my things that I have here. Um, the, there's, there's something to do with cautious that has to actually to do with the kitchen here even. And that is um, we have the kitchen here stays open. Um, and that's on the rubber paintings here, and he's in and out of the shul. It's always people here. Uh, but in a home, in a home, a uh, person who wants to keep the home kosher, um, has people in their house that don't keep kosher, um, it was always a, a difficulty. How do you leave someone in your house that doesn't keep kosher? And I mentioned it, not really to talk about the issue itself, uh, but nowadays there's, there's a modern way of dealing with that issue. There's a modern solution that some people have done. Uh, I mentioned it just for the solution of it, uh, which is um, nowadays it's easy to put up webcams in places. Um, and done correctly, um, that takes the place of someone being in the house. Um, so even if there's someone who's not Shemesh Abbas in the house, who's going to be around, then th- which raises very serious questions about running a kosher home when someone's there who doesn't keep kosher. Um, nowadays, the, the, it's so easy and it's so available for people to put up a camera in their house, um, and then there's someone who can keep an eye on it. Someone doesn't have to sit there and watch that camera all the time. Just that, that ability offers that choice. I'll just mention that. Okay. Um, one of the things um, that we do in the kitchen, um, when you do baking, you is it, it's a mafreshes chal. Okay? When you bake with enough flour, you need to be mafresh chal. And what, we're, what most people are used to is they've been taught that if you use a certain amount of flour, then you mafresh chal, and if you use a more significant amount, then you mafresh chal and you make the broth at the same time. Okay? And I just wanted to give a demonstration of that as follows. Um, really, really the sheer for Hafrosh's challah is not a sheer in weight. Okay? Most of us, at least what I've always heard was, two and a half pounds, um, you make a challah, and for five pounds, you make a challah, and you make a brothels. Okay? And really the truth is that Hafrosh's challah is not something that goes by weight. Um, Hafrosh's challah is a sheer of volume. It's a certain amount of size. Uh, and therefore, um, it, what people have done is converted what we used to, converted Converted the shear, which is really a volume shear, so the amount of space that it takes up, so the amount of cups of flour. It's really ten and a half cups of flour that you mafresh with that bracha. Uh, it's converted into, into weight because it's easier for many people to work like that. Okay, so if you took, uh, I'm just trying to. Regular, and oats, it's not as fine, 
um, and therefore it's fluffier. And so the same amount of flour, the same amount of it um, weighs considerably less. So oats use three, for ready for three pounds, three and a half pounds, you're ready to make the broth. Okay. That's one type of a thing. Okay, let's move on. Um, you may have heard, uh, you may have heard something, which is, um, this you may have heard from us at the CRC, canned fruit is something that you could buy um, without a hash on it. Assuming the ingredients are okay, you can buy canned fruit, um, even if it doesn't have a hash on So they'll tell you, if you, if you call the office, they'll tell you, they'll read me the ingredients that are in there, and I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you whether that's, that, if it's okay. Uh, this one, this one has a hash on it. I'll tell you that this one, if it does or doesn't have, not just like this ingredients, I think it'll be able to make it just in Okay, so this is just pineapple, pineapple juice, and citric acid. And you call me up there and say, you can use that for that restaurant. Okay, whereas if you're using, um, if you put canned vegetables, you'll canned vegetables that they say, no, 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 canned vegetables need to have a stuff. What's the reason why canned fruits need to have a stuff? But canned vegetables, this, this is a canned mushroom. This is also mushrooms, water, salt, and citric acid. Same, same ingredients, just that. So there's nothing more significant about the ingredients in this one than the ingredients in that one. So what's, what's the reason why um, this one needs that girlfriend to go? Any guess? Any guess? That is correct. Um, well, the reason is because um, when you put it, I'm having a hard time this one. I'm sorry. This is a pH. 
Um, 3.4. Okay, so that is to say, once you cook this a minimal amount to kill anything that had already grown it when you pour it, you don't have to worry about the spores coming out of this because the spores won't function there. They won't come out until until the situation, until the, the, the environment is good that they want to grow in that environment. Okay, they won't come out of this. Okay, now we pull it sophisticated. People became more 
um, course candidate, it's not saying, why should I need this idol? And then it's like, you know what? They have to make content. I don't need a machine altogether. A few months a year, I'll go ship it off to somebody to do my packaging for me, and I'll get somebody else who he does for everybody. So today I do corn, corn peas, and the next day, beef. Okay, so, and then I can run to something change. Okay, the fruit, these kind of fruit don't, there isn't trade in there. There isn't possible to get trade. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. Um, anybody who runs the first kitchen knows that, um, uh, when we, we, when we crack eggs, we check the eggs for blood spots. Okay? We check them for blood spots. Okay? Uh, and um, at home, that's what you would do the same um, brown eggs and white eggs. I have in front of me brown eggs, and the reason is because um, I want to show to you. Uh, I'm going to guess that we're going to find what I want here. I, I don't have extra vision. Uh, but brown eggs have in them spots that um, look very suspiciously like blood spots. Okay, and I just wanted to show you, I'm guessing we're going to find one in there, just to show you what they are, and just to explain to you how you should know that they're really not blood spots. Okay? Really what we're going to see here, uh, I mean, we may hit a real one, okay, but real blood spots are pretty uncommon in eggs. Um, the eggs are candle, they're prepared for by a bright light, and they check them. Um, so it's pretty uncommon to find a real blood spot. Of course, you find them on occasion. It's pretty uncommon. But in browns, in brown eggs, I didn't crack it with a So many spots in So I can't tell you about the more expensive. That I can't help you with. But after you get this, hopefully, if we find what we need, you won't have to toss them out. Uh, I'm doing a horrible job. I'm sorry. Okay, here's one spot. This one has a small, like, blackish spot. Oops, it's over there. The white. And that's fine. I'm going to explain to you in a minute. Let's see if you can depend on why it's okay. Or how I know it's okay. Let me say that way. Spots. That is as follows. Um, the, the white of the egg is 
made of protein. That's what it is. Um, and in a, in a, there are parts of the protein that are more concentrated than others. This is true of white eggs or brown eggs. There are spots that are more concentrated than others. What happens is, in a brown egg, as the chicken is dying or giving off the, the coloring in pig, pigment into the shell, some of that pigment leaks through, through the shell inside the egg, and it tends to concentrate on the places where there's a thickness to the egg. So that's why these spots are brown, not red. They're not brown, and they're not symmetrical. They tend to look like flakes of dandruff. Yeah. Um, they just like, it's, it's the way the protein took on, the, where the protein is thicker, uh, there's an equal distribution of brown, but in the places where the protein is thicker, you see a darker brown, which like tends to be toward a black or a dark brown color. Um, it's not a blood spot. It, it's not blood, it's just protein. Um, which is fine. I mean, you have the same spot, the same protein is in your white egg. It just, it just doesn't look like anything. Maybe it looks like a little thicker white, but it doesn't look, it doesn't catch your attention. Uh, and it's really fine. This is really fine. You can eat these. Um, if you want, if I just stuck my hands in front, if you want to eat them. <laughs> but they're, they're really fine. These are not blood spots at all. Um, it's interesting, the hashkafas, sometimes on the package, sometimes they'll just tell you, if you call them, they'll tell you that you should know that the things that are in there are not all blood spots. But just, you have to sort of have this, that's why I did it here in front of me. Um, I can't do this in front of a crowd. It's not a big crowd right now. But I can't do this in front of a crowd. You have to, just, you have to see the spot. And they don't look like blood. Uh, they don't look like blood. And once, once you understand, this took, I mean, we work with companies that make brown eggs to understand what's going on. And this is the most common question that they get on their consumer hotline. That they get questions, oh my gosh, I opened the package, I found four blood spots in a dozen. How can I find it? This is like a very common question that they get. Uh, and this is their explanation. This is what's sort of the science behind what's going on. Um, why, it's, why it's really not a concern. Will these kinds of spots be bigger? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it really depends on how the egg has As long as it's not red, symmetrical. Right, red and right, red. When you look at it, you say, well, not so. Like it's not so symmetrical. They look like they could be blood. I mean, you know, if, if one of my kids has a bloody nose, the blood could streak, it could fall to a drop, but it's not going to be in a rectangle. Blood doesn't fall. It just it doesn't work like that. It's, just, it's a liquid. It doesn't work like that. Here, what's going on here is that there's a piece of protein that formed in some odd shape. And just then you just dyed it, and it ended up being brown. Right? So if, it was, if it looks like this, you're okay. If it looks red and like reddish, it's so hard to find a blood spot in the white. That's why I couldn't bring one in. I, I, I had thought to bring a picture of one. Just when you see them from today, when you see, you say that's what I get. It. I understand that that's what it is. This, you look and you say, it just looks funny. I don't want you know, you, so you're uncomfortable unless you would know what it, what it is, and that's a. That's I have a question. Yeah. When you check for blood spots, do you have to do it in a clear container? Or can you do it like a styrofoam cup? Oh well, it depends if you're a man or a lady. The men do it in clear containers because I can't see. So okay. I look on the bottom, I look like this, and I don't know what I'm doing. The people who really work in the kitchen, I should say, people who work in the kitchen all the time, they do it without even, they just go like this. They, they, don't, even, they don't even put them the two sides of it. Right, no, because I've seen people just like. If you, know, if you know what you're doing, if you, could, if you could see, you could see, go for it. Okay. I just can't see anything. So for me, you know what you're looking for. 100%. The, the people, the chefs, you watch chefs, these are men actually, a lot of these are chefs. It's in crack eggs like this. They don't, they don't even, and they separate it. So they, just, they just do it in one hand. Right. They're doing one on both, on both sides. Yeah. So if, they, if you can do it, you can do it. I, I just can't, physically, I can't get it done. So I do it in a clear bowl, because for me, that's easy. Okay, now some eggs, these actually, if you look at these eggs, these haven't had extra on them, but these eggs here on them, <coughs> that they have extra omega-3, 
people have asked about that. Well, what does that mean? Can somebody add that in omega three? If you buy a standard it comes from fish. Yeah. That's what so people say, hmm, well this one has an extra, so you're safe. But they say, would it be well, for Spartan? Well, that's a question. But what's going on? Is, is it, and the answer is, it nothing to do with anything. Okay. It comes from fish. No, nothing at all. The the omega three is they feed the chickens or they breed chickens that um, produce eggs with more of this omega three in it. Either from the feed or from the breed or from, it has something to do with the chicken. They didn't add anything into this egg. The egg, this is how it came out. It's a plain old natural egg. I mean, it's brown because of that's the certain breeds of chicken make brown eggs. Uh, but the omega 3 that's in there, it's no one added that on it. It's part of what came into it. It's part of the chicken. The, the, and, and really, eggs, um, as, as you might guess, eggs that come from kosher birds are kosher. And from not kosher birds are not kosher. Okay? So we eat, your, the chauffeur says you're allowed to eat standard eggs you see in the street because they are assumed to come from chickens and chickens are kosher. If you find an unusual egg, you're not allowed to eat it unless you eat it came from kosher bird. A common example of that nowadays is quail eggs. Um, there are many birds that are called quail. That name quail doesn't mean one specific thing. Some of them are kosher and some of them are not. So quail eggs, you have to follow the hatcher and when the hatcher call us and they say, Hmm, someone asks us if we should certify quail eggs. There's one person who really knows what he's talking about. So I said, him, because he, he could tell you, is the bird I'm looking at, is that the quail that's the kosher egg? Or oh, that's the one that we don't have any idea if it's kosher. Okay, so buying something like a quail is more difficult because you don't know you're getting kosher This, you know what it is. It's a chicken egg. Okay, so this is a kosher Okay, um, the other kind of egg thing you have to you know this liquid eggs. Um, those eggs. Like Like, like, like egg beaters. Like right, those eggs. Now, People then ask, well, how do they make egg beaters? How do they check the egg beaters? Do they have much of standing there? In our houses, we don't use eggs without checking them. Do they have much of standing there checking the eggs? Is that what he does? He spends all day? Now, they actually are people. They're just not trying to um, In an egg company, after the eggs pass over, they pass over bright lights that shine through. They can see blood spots in them. They knock them out. And then as they crack them in these liquid egg companies, there's actually a person sitting there watching them to see if they're blood spots in them. But that's, of course, not a Sherman shop. That's not someone who we're trusting to charge eggs for us. So how do they do it? What are they So the Shukran says a very interesting thing. He says, nowadays, um, there are many reasons why you don't have to check eggs for blood spots. The minute is that we check them anyhow. Even though you're not really required to be checked them anyhow. And, of course, different does. But he says, during the daytime. You have to check them during the daytime. Now, what kind of strange thing is that? During the daytime, we check them. And the nighttime, they're like, what kind of strange thing? So the explanation is that... Think about living 100 years ago. By the daytime, it's nice and bright. It's easy to check it. But if you'd be baking at night, there's not much light, and it was hard to check it. So the shulchan of the thing is, that minute to check eggs is when it's reasonable. When it's too difficult, it's just a minute getting out. It's not, you're not really required to do it. It's only a minute. The minute doesn't apply when it's too difficult to do it. And therefore, in, for him, too difficult meant at night. But for us, night doesn't mean anything. For us, it's not any more difficult to check it at night than by day. But for us, that means is, to make liquid eggs, if you said to the liquid egg company, in order to make your eggs, you have to have a machine stand there all the time, well, that would be the end of liquid eggs. There wouldn't be any kosher eggs, because who would pay for a guy to just stand there checking, checking for blood sweat? I mean, they pay somebody. But they're not paying the machine to stand there, they pay whoever just to sit there. So because of that, it's as, it's as if it's at night. It's the same status of it being checked at night, that it's not a simple, easy thing to do, and therefore the minute doesn't require you to go that far to check it. Because you find blood spots in a computer, you just don't. Yeah, it's pretty uncommon. Yeah, they, they really are checking for it. They can't they do it. They can't complain. 
Of course, no, of course they didn't get to the they, It's really pretty uncommon to find. Yeah. Um, they can't win. And then they have a human who's actually checking it. As it gets cracked open, they have a human who actually checks it. Okay. Um, okay. Fish. This one's close. <coughs> Kosher fish. Um, a, a very common question that people ask is, um, yes, this is. Well, I saw this and this fish in the store, or uh, I, I found it someplace, and this and this fish, is it a kosher fish or not? Okay, tell me is, uh, I don't know, tilapia. Okay, no more. You don't see it too often, but I see, I see tilapia, is it a kosher fish? Just tell me. I saw uh, blue marlin. Okay, I, I'm in the store and they're having a sale on blue marlin. Is blue marlin, is blue marlin kosher? Tell me if blue marlin is So, so the answer is, the answer to the question is like this. Depends who they get on the phone. They get me on the phone. The answer to the question is, the answer to the question is, I'm not going to tell you. You see, why not? Do you know if it's kosher? Don't you know if it's kosher? What are you going to do with a, if I told you that it was kosher? What would you do now that I told you that it's kosher? What are you going to do? It's, are, you, are you researching fish? No, no, no. You're going to the fish store. You're about to go to the store. You want to know if it's kosher because if it's kosher, you can go buy some. So the thing is, that the only, there's only one way to know that a fish is kosher. It means it's not a way to identify fish. Pe- people use the same name for many different fish in different places, and there's lots of fraud going on with fish also, but there's no way to really know what you're getting. And the only way to know what a, whether a fish is kosher, I guess, this one had it, was in from Jewel, it had no urine. Okay, so we were safe. But how, the real way to know it is, if it has scales. Okay, it has to have fins and scales. You probably know what the Quran says. Anyone who has scales has fins. So, you really have to look for scales. Now, what the Rishon is saying is that when we say scales, that doesn't mean any scales. Scales means the type of scales that when you pull them, you can get them off without ripping the skin. Okay, in other words, other fish have scales that are attached so well that in order to get them off, when you rip, when you get them out, it rips the skin with it. But sc- scales that are identified as kosher fish, those scales come off without ripping skin. Okay. So I went, I guess, for a fish that had scales in it. Um, you have gloves if you'd rather. Yeah. Any... Okay, I just pulled this one out. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, it, it, some of this top layer, you know, that's the scale, okay? But that scale didn't rip any skin with it. Uh-huh. The skin is still whole underneath it. Um, if you guys do what you, the scales are attached on the front and unattached on the back. Think about how the fish is swimming. Okay, if he was attached on the back, it wouldn't work very well. Okay, it's attached on the front. So you, you look, you, you scrape it from the front, from the back. Here's another one. Sorry. Anybody can read this one? No. So, so, if you're at some kind of fish market that's, you know, out of state, and whatever, who's going to let you do this? So who's going to let you touch the fish? What is like this? Um, when you, when I look at this fish, yeah. um, I can guess that these are the kind of scales that have come off. Yeah. It looks like the scales of a kosher fish. Yeah. Um, if, if I wanted a piece of fish, I would tell the person, I'm buying this. If you didn't scale it yet, usually, usually when you go to the store, they're already scaled. But you say, I want a fish that's, uns- that's not scaled yet, and then you, I would do it afterwards, just to make myself confident that I'm getting really a kosher fish. Or, it's used also when, let's say, um, Hungarian is getting a delivery of fish. Their fish doesn't always come Unscaled. Sometimes it comes as fillets. What they do is, they do, and this is just the Jewish people, but it's all over the place. They do something called a skin patch. 
That is to say, on the end of the, of the fillet, they leave a piece on that still has its scales on it. Yeah. And when it comes to the store, the mashkia, the Hungarian, is opening up the box, and he's making sure that they will have scales on it. If that's done, that's not it. The industry does it. And the reason the industry does it is for kosher people. That way, when, when they get the fillet, it's just the fillet. It could be anything. It could be a catfish. You would never know. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the skin patch at the end is the way for the person to, to mash it to check that it's there. Yeah. So then technically, if you were out to or something, and there was a fillet of salmon, it doesn't have a texture, but they have that patch, could you buy it and then see? Yeah, the that's correct. Yes. Okay. Now, salmon is unusual. Salmon is, so wasn't the right example. And that's because salmon... Um, you can't has, trick someone. Salmon has a okay. very unusual flesh color. Right. Um, that there's only a, maybe two fish that are sold commercially. I don't know what else is in the sea. Okay. But two fish are sold commercially that have that color flesh, and they're both kosher. Okay. And, and what's unusual, the reason why they have such an unusual color, it's not, it's not like, you know, tigers are yellow, and then we have polar bears that are white. It's not that it's just sort of like a coincidence. It's something very specific, then, which is um, everybody stores um, vitamin A in their body someplace. It's something you need to hold on to. And think of vitamin A, you think of carrots having a lot of vitamin A, because things with vitamin A have a yellowish or orangish color to And so every living thing stores a vitamin A in a different place. It, it tends to be a lot of stored in the fat of the body. That's why fat has, has a clean color to it, because it's the vitamin A that's stored in it. Certain animals store it in their flesh. And of the fish, uh, salmon, and there's another type of a trout, which is a related fish, that's stored in their flesh. Other fish can't do that. You can't, you can't make them store their vitamin in the flesh. You can feed them carrots or they won't, they won't store it in the flesh. They, they, they make other parts of their vitamin turn bright or orange, because that's what they're doing, but their flesh you can't do. It. And because of that, you can, you can identify salmon different than every other fish just by looking at its color. So you wouldn't be able to buy a half-shirt unless it had that scale down? No, because you, yeah, 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 you know that it's kosher fish. In, in, in fact, let's say it's had a, had a sears here. It had a Well, I know it's kosher. It doesn't have to have scales. I know it's kosher for some other way. Okay. Here, that I'm knowing that it's kosher because that color of flesh only exists in salmon and this kind of trout, certain kind of trout that has it. So I'm okay. I know that that's the fish that I'm getting. It's, I don't mean an orange, not even like a red color. The orange color, we're familiar with. We know what it's called. It's called salmon. That's, that's the name of the color, even. Oh, that's because that's an unusual color. Most animals don't, most fish don't look like this. The color like that. You might see once we're talking about salmon, there's salmon, a lot of it's called, it's uh, colored, artificially colored. Okay? And what that means is not, not nearly as frightening as it sounds. What that means is this. The salmon really live out in the oceans. Um, they live, they, they, they spawn on, in the sea, in the seas, and they go back into the ocean. They have a whole life cycle out in the ocean came along some people and they realized we don't need to go fishing out in the middle of the Pacific in Alaska to find our to find our salmon. They built a huge swimming pool, okay, and they started raising salmon by themselves. It's called uh, farmed salmon. And it's farmed everything else. Farmed all kinds of fish. Uh, I this is gonna sound exciting, but I did once I once traveled to China for cautious reason. And as you drive along on the road, I said to them, what what's going on here? What do I see as we drive along the road? These big I don't know what, like like little lakes, but they didn't look they looked too Neat and organized to be lakes. And what it is is those are, those are farms for raising salmon. Fish, not necessarily, whatever kind of fish they want to. That's very simple. You raise the fish in this little swimming pool, it's a pretty big swimming pool, but when you finish, you just catch them. There's no place for them to hide. That's your fish. And then you take them out and put another batch in. So people started raising salmon like that. So there was a competition now between the farm raised salmon and the wild salmon. So the wild salmon companies convinced the government 
today. Anybody who raised okay, I've got one more problem. The people who have farmed salmon, those salmon don't eat enough things that contain vitamin A to have the flesh color. So they come out looking white. So how do they get their fish so they didn't eat enough vitamin A to be the right color? So they feed them something, they add to their feed something that has the vitamin A to give them that color. If they do that, you want to give them the right color. So they got the government to say that if you do that, you have to mark your fish as being artificially colored. Because you artificially fed it something that gave that color. Okay. But they didn't paint it. It's not like they squirted dyes into it. They just fed it something else that they fed it vitamin A that caused it to have that color to it. Okay. I can't pronounce it. It's a really long word what they feed it. That's the accent. I, I can't pronounce it. A long word. It's vitamin A. So that, it's not colored in the sense of maybe it's a trace color as you have into it. It's just a feed that was given to the fish that caused them to, with time, develop that color. Just like these fish. These fish ate something else. They ate krill. They gave them that color. And these people ate, these fish ate a pill and did the same fish. Okay? Okay. Um, we'll move on with time. Um, okay. Let's do, we, we should be able to get there. Let's see what we can do. Okay. Um, this is, this is a passionate question. Um, the, the thing is, when you when you want to, when you want to when you want to, um, capture something, you capture something relative to the way it was used. Okay. The most common way we capture things is by putting them in boiling water, um, and that is because anything that was became trained using hot water or liquid gets captured with liquid also. If you cook something on the fire with no liquid, then it needs to be burned. Okay? It needs to be put under a torch until it turns red hot, which is basically impossible. Okay? For most people, that's impossible. Um, when, a, when a pizza shop switches over from trays to kosher, their, for their pizza shop, that, the oven has to be kosher with liquid because they put trade pizzas on to right onto the oven. There's no liquid, and they just put the pizza right in the oven. So that has, that has to be done, but you couldn't do this at home. This is not, your, this is not an easy thing to do. It's a very complicated thing to do. Uh, so for the pizza shop, when you come closer, they do it. But in your house, if you have a pot and they said you need to leave one, they would just say, forget it, throw it out. Okay? So there's two reasons things can be. One is because you cook right on the fire, and one is because it's made of certain materials, terrorist materials. Okay? Those are hopeless. Okay? But when you have, and the most common case when you cook something straight on the fire is frying pan. And when you cook with a frying pan, it's possible that you cook it with, right, you put the food right onto the pan, and this, in this case, this is a flasher pan. We're on the milk side of the pan. This is a flasher pan. Uh, so if you were to put some milks into this, they ate pancakes in here uh, that had milk in them, okay, so you just traced up your pot. Okay, so now I want to capture my pot. I just made, I have a trade pot. Do I need to leave one? No, it's all I have. Or do I need a color? And I can capture it. Okay, now, the case that I gave you is not a perfect case. For reasons that I don't need to explain now, too complicated. But that, let's just take that case, okay? So we have some of you just put some milk in it. So it depends on the salt. It depends how much liquid you put into your pan. Okay? It depends what you do with your pan, whether it's considered with liquid or not. Think about it like this. Let's say you make french fries in here. You make deep fried french fries in here. Okay? So if you put in an inch of oil into this, that's with liquid. You wouldn't need leave one from that. That's being done with lots of liquid in it. Well, so what happens when I pancakes? People make pancakes with an inch of oil. But how much oil it is? Okay? And the difference is, it depends how you use your oil. Okay? If you use pan, okay? if you just if you swing your pan like, like that, okay? that's so little liquid that you have to dilute it. If that's how you cook, let's say you had a Teflon pan, you put nothing onto it, or you had a pan like this and you just put on just a, a coating, the way it says in, in Preston, 
that you do is they take a stick of butter. When the pan was hot, they just rub it across. So think about how much you lose. Just a little greasing of the pan, but essentially nothing is on the pan. That's considered dry. That's considered dry. It's cooking right on the pan. You have to leave it that. Okay? If you cook it with real oil, with a, with a more significant amount of oil, if you, you put on oil more seriously, like in a commercial kitchen where they cook, I don't know how you cook in your house, but they put in a more significant amount of oil, then that's considered with cooking in water, and you just have to hook up. What could you do both ways? Not at the same time, but... No, well, hopefully you only trace it up once. Right, the question is when you oh, what it, you when you messed it up. It's always been a flaysh pot. So it's a flaysh pot. And now by mistake, you want to put in milk into this. So now, how did you do it when you cooked it like that? Did you put it just a spray? You just put in a tiny bit? You put a stick of margin, a drop of margin to it? Maybe like pork and cream. Right, depends how, you, depends how you did it. will depend on how you're going to have the cashew. Yeah, that's what, that's what it depends on. Okay. Um, okay, for this, okay. here's another food. Um, this food. I don't know if you, if you ever eat this in your house. I don't know if you're familiar with Every night. Every night. <laughs> Every night. Really? Yeah. Are you started? No, I just got married. And so, it's good, thank you. It takes five minutes to make. Very good. Okay. <laughs> you're going to find out why now. Okay. Kidwa is very quick. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whatever works. Okay. Um, okay, so the, the, so you know, maybe you were expecting a more simple conscious part. No, no, I wanted something like uh, yeah, that. Okay, yeah. so the lady was here before and she was finished. She's been doing you know, something Okay, so things like this. Um, most items that are simple, the simpler the item is, the less it needs to start on. Okay, the less chance that it needs to start on. Something that's more processed and more complicated runs into concerns of ingredients and change equipment. And in short, that's what you're looking for. Okay, so pasta, plain pasta. Uh, Without any, any, I'm not thinking like, you know, spinach pasta, just plain old pasta, doesn't need hashtag. It's just, it's just flour and water, put it into a shape and dry it out, and it's fine. It doesn't need hashtag. That doesn't apply to the pre cooked pastas, but the regular pasta, the regular everyday elbows and right, all that stuff doesn't need hashtag. Now, it almost all that does, and, and it sort of goes yeah. together. What happens is when, some, when the cashews or something is really very easy, then those companies are encouraged to get a hashtag. Because when they call up the rally and say, rally, what does it take to become kosher? They ask, it's easy. It's going to be an easy job. So they more, more likely do it than if a guy who inhale the herb and says, what does it take to become kosher? And they say, forget it. If he hears the rally and says, it's hopeless, I'm never going to become kosher. But I say, I'm making, I'm making spaghetti. So spaghetti comes it's easy to become kosher. As soon as they call up, they find out it's easy to do it. Okay? So that's the spaghetti. Do you have a question? No. Okay, that's the spaghetti. So now, rice, the same thing. I, I'm not talking about. No, I, I should put rice. I should put this one. Okay. I'm not talking about instant rice. I'm talking about rice, the standard rice that you have. Those rice are made, cooked, and dropped. There's almost nothing on it. Couscous is an exception to that. Okay. What is couscous? Okay. Couscous is um, they take um, whole grains, whole grains of wheat. Whole grains of wheat, and they rub them. They scrape them until they get to a certain shape. The, the larger pieces are whole. It's the grains shaped into a ball. Okay, and these are the shavings that came off when they did that. Because these are the other pieces that fell off. So it's whole pieces of wheat. So we say, well, whole pieces of wheat, what could be wrong with a whole piece of wheat? It's just a piece of wheat that was filed down to a certain shape. The pasta is even more than that. The pasta is turned into a flour. But what could, be, what could be wrong with that? And the answer is that couscous is actually cooked. It's 100% cooked in a factory. And it, co- it raises the question of fish lock. 
Bishwakim is that certain foods you have to participate in the cooking, and there are different rules. But one of the things is that it has to be cooked. Okay, one of the rules is that it has to be fully cooked. Um, and of course, it's fully cooked. Now, when, when you when you take Take couscous out of a package like this. You would, if you put this into your mouth, you would think that this stuff is not edible. But really, what it is is really what it is is really what it is is that they fully cooked it and then dried it out enough that it doesn't spoil and it, and it stays okay. But the word here actually. But the truth is, if you take like this, I'm going to take, I should have done this a before. Uh, if, you take, if you take it and put it into hot water, you put it into hot water and let it sit here for a few minutes, it'll be perfectly fine. It doesn't need cooking. It really, it really needs to be warmed up and it needs to be hydrated. It's dry, so it needs a little moisture into it and it needs heat because most people only eat in cold food. But besides that, it's fully cooked. It's up to 100% edible. Okay? So you cook it for five minutes because you want to make it warm and you may get other things into it also. Yeah. You mean while you're doing the fried onions or whatever you did to it to make it a little more tasty, but right. really you're dealing with something that's really fully cooked already. And because it's fully cooked, it needs hashkacha not because of the ingredients. There's nothing. There are no ingredients with it. It's just wheat. But to make sure that it's really strong, you want to make sure that the yid was involved in it. Well, there are other ways that it could be mother. Depending on how they cook it, but someone has to pay attention to it. Someone has to be thinking about the fish you throw. So you're you. You only want to eat. You only want to eat it with hashkafa, not because of ingredients, really, but because you want to make you want to make sure that um, this you saw was thought about. And somebody, you know, someone made sure that it was a. It's also good for mashkichim because I can eat, eat it on the road. You say over and over again, you got hot supper. Hot supper. What? It's true. Because it's okay. Well, that's what I eat. I eat it on the road. Just take it with me in the bag. And there's always hot water in the and you're good. Okay. That, that'll be ready to give it, give it a second. Okay. Uh, we're winding down here. When you, when you, um, there's a din, there's a din that in order for some, if you have something to trim, something to place you, if you want the flavor from that to trim to something else, that only happens, typically that happens with heat. It's a simple bit of trim to heat. And it has to be some um, connection between the cause and the trade. Okay, the locals in the place have to be somehow connected in order for the town to transfer from one to the other. Okay? So there's one way of town transferring that people don't always think of. Uh, with liquids? Yeah. What? No, isn't it if it's what? It has to be a liquid double change. Well, well, they touch. The two foods touch each other in the transfer liquid. But they have, to be, they have to be near each other. Or say two things that are not cold or not touching wouldn't, wouldn't pass. And what, what something people don't think of is something that's called sand. Okay. Say, this is, this is, yeah. if you have papers, steeper, steeper, steeper rising up or something, um, so that causes concentration. The case in the Shukhan is the person has grown milk inside the kitchen, and that salami is hanging above the drying over the oven. So the, the, the milk, if this is the milk in the pot, then the vapors that have to do with the milk in the air or, or, or milk in the pot, these vapors are considered to be so if this vapor is the salon that is hanging over here, then it depends on the problem. It depends. If the spot where it hits, it's still the acid that's spoken. So the point, the acid is being where you can't even pull back again. It's so hot that you can't even pull back. If it's the acid that's spoken, it causes complications. If it's not the acid that's where it hits, it doesn't cause complications. Okay? So most people, 
Well, now we would never put a foreign cable into the class. Okay? It wouldn't even occur to us that this was just that. Okay. So most people would never occur to them to do that. Okay? But there's something that we do that's very similar to that, which is, if, I was, if this was a soup, I'm not talking about but this was a soup, okay? and I wanted to spice the soup, okay? so I would pour spices over it, I pour salt into it right on top. So what happens is, so you have this, you, you can cut it for a uh, It depends how high you put it. Okay? If I put the spices from up here, it's not hot over here. Okay? It makes warm, but it's not hot over here. That's okay. If I put the spices from closer by, and I put the spices closer by, then what I'm doing is, if that's what it's hot, and this is a flanching, this is flanching, I'm making this trick. Or I'll make the inflation. But as long as there's no vapor? Well, right, there is vapor here. I know, but if there was, then it's fine to okay. directly in. Right, let's say, for example, you put it in the chunk. Okay, you put it in the chunk, and everything is being thrown to the fire. There's not hot yet. Because the vapor is, there's no vapor, there's not anything coming up yet. That's okay. You can put the spices in. So if you come on later, this is the way yeah. Here, you're ready for Here, you're okay. This spot over here, this spot over here, this, this is like four light, that's how the gas levels go here. If it get a little higher, this is, a, this is just warm over here. Once you get to a spot that's hot, um, then we need to set the spices. It's four, put it into a disposable cup. Then we put, we put the spices into a, into a paper cup, or into a flash cup. So then, then from a flash cup, that's okay. You don't care if you're a flash cup or a flash or the other way around. Um, but let's say you do salt, so put it on like raw meat. And then the next day, you put salt on top of like the big one, cream cheese. That's fine. That's okay, because everything's cold and there's no vapors going on, and you're okay over there. Okay, great. Right, that's okay. It's actually, the Shukran market says that a person should have separate sauce for milk and Okay. But the reason for that is um, it has to do with the way they use salt. It, we, we actually just got this in my house. But it used to be very common, instead of a salt shaker, we have like a salt dish. A little dish, you dip your things into it. So then, today I stuck in a piece of meat, and tomorrow I stuck in something else. So this is because you worry about food being left behind in there. Okay, but on this salt shaker, there's nothing left behind in there. I just shake it over my food. So if I'm shaking it over something cold, I can just put it over this. There's no place on it. Let's see. Okay. Okay. Steamers. And what we did is we had them turn on one of the steamers. 
And one of the steamers was on, and the other one was off. And with the one on, the vapors were pouring into the other one. Because it had the same, the same exhaust out the back. So the vapor, let's say, was pushing into the bottom one, and out the top one, into the other oven. It's like, it's like, not in vegetables, let's say vegetables. Okay, but if I was looking at meat on the bottom, and there was cheese on top, it would be pouring inflation. This is inflation top, or in this case, this is not top pouring, pouring inflation up, and you make you trade with your food over there. Okay, so if, if you have a double oven, the oven itself, you can have one from the one from the if someone can check that you're not sharing, uh, they're not sharing, uh, the that's something that a farmer could check, or someone scanned you, or someone could look at the plans. In the plans of how the oven is made, you could check it. Or, really what, the good, what most people do is, most ovens nowadays have a Shabbos motor. Shabbos motor, almost always, is from the start date. Uh, you can call them up and take them. I, have this, I want to buy this and this model oven. Why do you have this and this model oven? Can you tell me if the two sides share the same exhaust? No, they should usually, because they work with the manufacturer, it's something that they're conscious of, or they're aware that they can be this problem. They can usually answer the question. Okay, if you can't figure it out yourself, they can usually answer it. Okay, and one last part of that is, the other place where we think about say it is in the microwaves. Um, in a microwave, if I eat a bowl of soup, of milk and soup in there, so, of course, if soup spills, then the tray just became tray because it spilled, the milk and spilled all over the place. But the, the, even without that, the ceiling of the microwave, and even the room of the walls, is becoming milk as my, my cup of uh, uh, soup, my bowl of soup is cooking, there are vapors spreading all over the place. Those are all milk vapors. Tomorrow, when I heat up some of the soup, I put a bunch of the soup in there, the same thing is going to happen with the okay, so with, with places, I just made my microwave chain. That's why a microwave is really best to have a choice after the microwave. If you can, if you have room in your kitchen, that's the microwave, they're not terribly expensive. Uh, or, it's always covered. If you say, this is really a milkless microwave, I treat the microwave as a milkless. When I get inflation, I always wrap it, so therefore there's no, no transfers. Okay. The only way the transfers happen is from Zaya. If I cover it, um, I don't need to seal it perfectly, you know, and not looking at it. Reasonably cover it, then nothing's going to come, then no transfers can happen because it's concealed. Okay? Um, one, I, was, I don't remember why that's my story. Okay, thank you. Can I ask one question?